This is a HeadGum Podcast. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, halflings. It's me, Jeremy Cobb. And today, I am joined by... Luanda Unati Lewis Nyao, but everybody calls me Unati. Yay, and because... Because we have not figured out a way to do this smoothly, I will jump back in and say, though my name is Jeremy Cobb, Donovan Panky and Marcus call me Jermango Cobbler. I like that. Yeah, Jermango actually, Cobbler. I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah, like Mango mango Cobbler. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, well, yes. uh, we're not talking about food again. Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full Prince vibe? Woof! Ah, this makes them even more black. Cake glitches and bitches. Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon. Oh, no. On a nat 20. No. You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. Yeah. We're about to get into something real big now. We thought we would follow up our food talk with a much more vague and ambiguous topic. Uh, but that still relates to real life stories and experiences, which is family yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Yes. How family works uh, mechanically, yeah. uh, how it works in terms of story and backstory. Yeah, which, by the way, for the record, folks, I don't know if we've ever said it on here. Uh, most, if not all, of Unati's characters are in some way named after a family member. Member. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's usually because most of the time that, like, when I'm looking for a name in the moment, because I, like, really have a love for those names, they just come to my head, like, really mm. quickly. I'm like, there are so many other, like, Nguni names. <laughs> There's only three. There are only three. Noma, <laughs> Nomsa. And Noma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, it's like if you ever read the Wikipedia page for the mm. War of the Roses, uh, mm. it's the most confusing page I've ever read on that site because yeah. everybody's name is either uh, Richard, Edward, or Henry. And then the rest <laughs> okay, of the cool. time they refer to them by their their plate like their title names. So it'll be like okay. Gloucester. Uh, or think something like that, but then there's like yeah. three or four different earls of Gloucester. Gloucester yeah. that hap- okay, cool. that uh, that happened during that war. So you you don't know which Henry we're talking about, which Richard we're talking about, or which person or uh, or which person from wherever we're talking about. It's so confusing to try and follow, and especially because sometimes people will change titles. So there's like once one or more instances where somebody who had gone under by the like a title name gets like a new position or like even becomes king and. And they're like, they're a new Richard. And it's just like, oh, my God, who are these people? (laughs) I know that one of the most common backstory tropes, possibly the most common backstory trope, is the orphaned character. Mm. I think everybody has probably played an orphaned character at some point. Yeah. It is, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, 
I, I can't remember if I have, but I probably have. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. Like, you probably got like an orphan fighter or at least an orphan rogue or the orphan warlock. Always an orphan rogue. You know what I mean? Like, it's always, always an orphan rogue always or warlock. Always an orphan rogue, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of In fact, actually, it. funny you should mention, yeah? the first rogue I ever DM'd for didn't know her parents were. <laughs> yep. She had, in fact, she had had, uh, shout out to friend of the show, Leo, uh, but she had uh, actually been, she'd had a, a surrogate dad. So she was a, a Duergar dwarf mm-hmm. who had just been, tur- like, turned up randomly in the snow as a little tiny child. Oh. And this this guy named Silas, who'd had, like, this really hard life, yeah. uh, this hardened guy, found this little this little dwarf girl shivering in the snow, mm-hmm. thought she was gray because of how cold she was, but no, she's actually just gray, and, oh. like, saved her and raised her as his own, and they became, like, this, this tough team fighting blood hunters, but then, like, because he used to be a member of this blood hunter organization. Yeah. But... But then it caught up to him, and they actually killed him. Oh, so not no. only did she not know who her real parents were, she'd lost her surrogate father. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. And so she had taken his axe, although I think we may have changed that part of the backstory. I don't remember. Okay. Look, p- folks, in home games, stuff gets changed. It's yeah. just what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They And she'd had this axe that I, originally was his axe okay. and was, you know, traveling the land trying to uh, – uh, hunt down the blood hunters who had killed him. I mean, classic. I mean, classic, 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 classic. Totally tropic. Um, you know, it fits. All, it fits. All, it, it takes all the boxes. <laughs> Gives you a clear direction. Yeah, because yeah, I think that. Uh, well, for example, in that exact same game, another player. Uh, I think there was there was one player who had both of their parents when we started. Like, who knew both of their parents, but she was estranged from her family and they wanted to kill her. Uh, so that didn't go so well. But in that game, in that same game, there was somebody who had a whole family. I think she had her mom, a, a person, a guy who she realized that was actually her stepdad, but she had not been told he was her stepdad. She was raised thinking he was her actual dad, like her, his, her actual birth dad, that is. Um, but she also had like nine siblings. Uh, and it was like this huge family scenario. And most originally she was actually looking for her real father. That was what she was doing at the beginning of the game. She eventually found her real father and sort of reunited the family. And Mm. there were all of these family scenes with all of her siblings showing up. And, uh, there was, there were like a whole range of ages where you have tiny little kids up to like teenagers. Uh, and like even somebody like in their early twenties, who's like trying to get out into the workforce and stuff. Uh, it was, it was a whole, it, but it was like a lot of fun yeah. to actually experience. Yeah. Because I think like, cause like if you take a little nugget from like, from acting technique, right? Character is relationship. So the more mm-hmm. relationships you have, the more in depth yeah. your character can become. The, and, and I think the more, the more of a, of a bag of tricks your, um, for lack of a better term, your DM has to pull from in terms of like the pool of your family and your background, the more interesting characters and conflict that they can create for you. Yeah, I think that uh, it's, I think it, my suggestion would be this. I don't think there's any problem with having like orphans or uh, in your game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have have an orphan background. I would actually like to see a more positive orphan background at some point where you're like, you were an orphan, but you had been like adopted or something, or you just had a, you just had a more positive experience instead of just like, oh, I lost my family. My entire village was burned before my eyes and now I'm real sad. Yeah. 
Oh, no, no, I've done that. Like, I was an orphan. My other rogue. <laughs> I have played many rogues. Also a a lot of tiefling. That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first tiefling was, rogue. Yeah. Was it the this, second this is or like third? Tiefling, no, th- three. Like, this is number three. Oh, boy. I was an orphan who was taken in by their thieves' guild, but, like, a really lovely, warm thieves' guild, and there was, like, this matronly mum there who took looked after me and raised me, and it was a good time. <laughs> See, I like that. Um, yeah. It's actually reminiscent of uh, jumping back to uh, Dimension 20, the character Gorgug from Fantasy High Season 1, who does not know who his parents are. Uh, he's yeah. He's been adopted uh, by – he's a half-orc, I believe, and he was adopted mm-hmm. by a pair of gnomes, uh, which is adorable. It's absolutely – and the, yeah. the gnomes are super nice. Like they're a really good pair of parents, really po- uh, yeah. positive and loving and Lovely. supportive. I mean maybe like – over positive but really lovely like <laughs> it's okay yeah, but nobody's yeah, really, perfect really and you know what? i'll nobody's take overly perfect. positive than, rather than overly negative yeah yeah i'll take overly positive and a song about every possible moment of the day any time of the week as opposed yeah. to like trauma that's not fun and throughout the season there's like a running joke of him thinking that different people are his dad uh, I will. I will uh, mm-hmm. uh, not spoil whether or not he finds his dad but the idea yeah. that um because I, I think what I was also thinking during what something you were saying earlier, which is uh, that in Dungeons and Dragons, partly because it, a lot of it depends on how you play the game, but I think in a lot of mm. games, your family really becomes the adventuring party. Mm, yeah, like they become your found family. So the family yeah. that you had before uh, may be in some cases irrelevant or even like too much. Because what yeah. they what they create, if they are not involved in the adventuring party themselves, they basically cr- can create an, a pull away from the adventuring party, which yeah. for some games is absolutely fine. There's zero problem with that. Uh, the the game that we that I run that you're in, uh, Unati, mm. the Mavros mm. game. That's like yeah. that can go, everybody has stuff on the side that they go off and do. Yeah, so, exactly. But that's also set in like a city and a in a more modern setting, so it makes sense yeah. that people have like actual lives that they go to yeah. after it, doing adventuring stuff during the day, yeah, uh, or even having to fit adventuring stuff around their actual yeah. jobs. But yeah. but if you're doing like your classic D and D game where you're just going on quests, getting loot, saving the kingdom, all that stuff, mm-hmm. while family can be great as like a stopover. I don't think it can be something that you continually return to. And it can – it can depending on how it's used in the campaign, it could be a distraction in some cases from yeah. your from your found family of the party. Yeah, I agree. I think like narratively, as, as much as you're like not trying to railroad your players in a home game especially, um, it can – it can pose a lot of tricky issues in that people – people's objectives start to become misaligned mm-hmm. um, and they start to diverge. And that, I mean, although like that is very reminiscent of real life, that is a pain in the ass for the DM. Yeah. Um, and sometimes for the party. that's a lot to prepare and for the party as well. But I mean, like, you know, what about a band of brothers? Why not four brothers going out to yeah. like, I don't know, slay a dragon or something? I really like that um, idea. I like, I like the idea of an all sibling party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, but the squabbles like that something's happened and they've got to go and, I don't know, 
something's happened is very vague. I don't know. A dragon attacked and they've got to go and find the warlock who raised it. Whatever. Like. <laughs> the warlock summoned a dragon. They got to go find this warlock. You know what it is? It's a ba- it's a gigantic baby dragon and mm, they mm, fought mm. the dragon, realized it was just a giant baby and are now trying to transport it through the land to find the person who summoned it, like who raised, like when you said raised, yeah. literally this warlock was raising the dragon and Aww. now you're trying to, it's like you went to a supermarket and there was a child yeah. causing all kinds of ruckus and yeah. you managed to stop the child from like pulling down the displays but now you have, you're holding the child's hand walking through the supermarket trying to find yeah. their parents uh, that is somewhere in the store try, uh, yeah. hoping that like maybe we could get to them, maybe they'll get over the intercom at some point, where is the intercom yeah. in this place? In fact a mall exactly. might be a better uh, this, we should yeah. play a one shot this is a one shot right? <laughs> Because <laughs> then you have like shot. a family. That I really actually do like that idea because you can have built-in party dynamics at that point. Yeah, take baby dragon and find yeah. the guy who raised it. Yeah, uh, mechanically, I think one interesting one it would be long-distance communicators. So sending stones those exist in the game, but I think yeah. is as written, it's like a one-use-per-day scenario. Mm. If you had like something that could communicate r- w- somewhat regularly. With Mm. your family, uh, basically like a phone. If you could phone home and talk to your family from time to time, I think that would be pretty big. Um, Wait a second. I'm going to sniff. Edit this out or leave it in. But edit it out or leave it in. (laughs) Okay, I sniffed. Cool. So, uh, you – yeah, you could have – uh, the, the, the phone home feature. I also like the idea that you could have like a courier who is mm-hmm. constantly r- flying back and forth between you and your family, passing yeah. messages. <laughs> and it could even be that like, it's not like a regular, it's not going to derail things. It's like yeah. you talk for like a couple minutes yeah. and then move on and you yeah. just update your parents or like let, they let you know what's been happening. I like oh, that's that. that's great. I like that yeah. a lot because now I'm also fascinated about like the internal machinations of the courier. And yeah. like, how does that world work? And yeah. how busy are they on these like little missions, constantly ducking and diving dragons themselves, trying to get information to people? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, in the game Wander Home. They have yeah. a mechanic, I think, with where you have like moth herders uh-huh. uh, or moths that I think they use moths to deliver mail in that game. Okay, okay. And so you like. The idea that you have – similar to the Harry Potter owls thing, but I like uh-huh. the idea of it – of the courier being able to speak a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. whether it's like uh, some kind of awakened owl or whatever, or awakened moth creature, basically mm. – some or just a, a person riding something, yeah. constantly flying down like, here's your mail. Yeah. And <laughs> you – you it could even be – I'm thinking of like the Pokemon anime or even the Pokemon uh, – Red and Blue games, where all of the Officer Jennies and all of the Nurse Joys look exactly the same, and they're all, like, cousins and sisters, but you're – and only Brock can tell them apart. So you keep seeing this person that you think is the same person, but no, actually, all of the male couriers are part of the same gigantic family, and they all look exactly the same and sound exactly the same and seem to have pretty much exactly the same personality. And they've all gone into the exact same line of work. Yeah. um, (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah, I think that could be fun. But what that does is it gives a presence 
It gives the family a presence in the game without which which I think lends entertainment. First of all, you can have some very entertaining mm-hmm. family little conversations, maybe some squabbles, mm-hmm. maybe just some doting a doting parent that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn about drama that's happening back home, just like frivolous, like or like somebody could have key information that helps you solve like the major plot point of the game, yeah. like a spell that has been passed down through your family or like something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe you have like an encyclopedia brown little si- little sibling who like goes mm. and does a bunch of research on what you're doing and gives yeah. you hints and clues and stuff. Your family can send you nice little magic items and care packages throughout the game. Mm. That just sounds really mm. fun to have. And wholesome and lovely yeah. and like just feels kind of real. And um, and also what it does for a DM's perspective, you can mm. not only does that give your players a huge emotional end to the game, but then mm. you can threaten the family. You can threaten to destroy yeah. them. And now the players yeah. are – now everybody who has been observing these conversations and genuinely likes these people who keep showing up are desperately yeah. trying to save them. Save them. Yeah, like desperately. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we haven't seen them in person yet. We've only been getting letters and stuff. But you love them because, like, you really flesh out the characters and you give them strong personalities. And, yeah. like, you really make them, like, like they aid or, or chide or whatever the, the adventure is. Um, and you really grow fond of them. Yes. <laughs> give your players something nice and then crush it. Have it crumble to dust in their hands. Let them feel what it's like. Uh, so <laughs> I love how this started like a wholesome conversation, and now it's turned into full-on matricide and patricide. Well, no, you would <laughs> well, have you're to not kill killing your own them. Parents. You're not yeah, killing yeah. your own parents. Well, but maybe you have to. Mass murder. Maybe they're yeah, the exactly. ones who are bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- definitely, definitely holding the the nice. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey characters hostage yeah. that's what we're yeah. that's what we're in favor yeah, of yeah yeah hostage uh, you don't have to eliminate them <laughs> yeah but you i think the threat of danger is, is more than enough in yeah. most cases for people to get invested yeah. but yeah i think that i think something like that could be really effective mm. um i i've had ooh this was a fun i actually did have something like that once mm. so ryan shout out to our buddy ryan Woo-hoo! friend of the show ryan yes ryan uh he his first character was from this tribe of uh, Minotaurs Mm -hmm. and his mom, basically he was the biggest and strongest one there, Mm -hmm. 
but he he had an intelligence of seven. And so he kept messing everything up, like all of the hunts and all of like the expeditions and stuff. And he was going out and trying to kill just to, to prove himself. Mm-hmm. So every time they try and pull raids, he'd mess up the raid and more bunch of people get hurt. He'd be fine because he started with like max strength at level one and like mm-hmm. almost max constitution as well. Uh, and he's a barbarian. So he's just unstoppable. But eventually, mm-hmm. the the tribe got so sick of him that they went to his mom, who then basically told him that he had been chosen. She lied to him and told him that this god, this obscure god that some of them used to worship, but most of them don't even care about anymore, had actually chosen him. And that she had a vision that he was the one to find the god's legendary sword, which is actually a toothpick that the god had used because the god's a storm giant. And the god had used this toothpick and then dropped it to earth and now it's like they consider this legendary sword and so he's gone out to try and find the sword well he ends up becoming chief of like his own little tribe of miniature minotaurs and all this stuff like three foot tall minotaurs and he uh we call them the minitars And eventually, his tribe finds out about this and decides to try and annex his tribe like his original tribe starts trying to annex his new tribe and they send a guy down there to scout it out. But then yeah. Jal's mom, the character's name is Jal, Jal's mom starts <laughs> showing up in his dreams because she's a druid. Oh, she's a high level druid and can cast dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's appearing to him in his dreams and just having conversations with him. And it becomes like this whole new element to the character because we've seen him out in the world, but we've never seen him with his okay. dear old <laughs> beloved mom. And I think I think the first time he she showed up, he was dreaming like mm-hmm. about one of his earliest memories of her. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think he was like in his old childhood home. Um, and I think it was like she had been singing to him or something like this really sweet memory. But then it's like he's an adult and his mom is also mm-hmm. is like much older now. And she's basically telling him, like, son, come back and, and spills the beans. And it's like, no, I was lying to you. That God doesn't even matter. I don't even think that God's real anymore. Like no one. And he's like, what? but mom, oh. mother, I've seen him. I've spoken to him. And she's like, I don't know who you were talking to, but I don't think that God exists. And so now his whole thing is thrown into question. Because yeah. he's a paladin of this god, and, oh, but wow. nobody else seems to serve him. And he's mm-hmm. had no luck, almost no luck converting people to this god's <laughs> service. The only people that he's managed to get are like the higher ups in his tribe. And that's mainly because they think he's cool. So they're like, okay. sure, yeah, I didn't have a god. I guess we'll go with this. Yeah, it sounds good. But <laughs> it became like a lot of – it became a lot of internal fam- – the, the family basically was an opportunity for uh, – and I think this is going to be the theme of this episode. You have a mixture uh, – it's an opportunity for sweetness and for spiciness. Sweetness yes. and spice. That's what you get. Mm. You get the sweetness of like these really wholesome, lovely moments for with characters that people can really just enjoy watching and potentially get attached to. Uh, but then you get mm. the spicy – the spicy when they're being threatened uh, or mm. when the family themselves are doing the threatening. Yes. Have you encountered – I've been talking for a long time and I could talk no. for longer. But this is not <laughs> called One Black Halfling. This is called <laughs> – I'm listening. I'm listening intently. Uh, do, you, do you have a story? I'd love to alternate because I'll, I'll jump back yeah. in with another story. No, for sure. Um, 
I think that like my, from my experience, what happens in sort of in my home game um, is that there are a lot of clan members as well. Mm. So in the, like, even though you have internal families and because the ancestral relationship is so close because it's sort of based on. You said ancestral relationship or incestual relationship? Ancestral relationship. Okay. That was, I I heard incestual, but thought, no, surely she means ancestral. No, 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 no. I I mean ancestral. Okay. Um, Thank you. Because your ancestors are so sort of close, I was able to kind of use them with some of my players who more who were more predominantly Zulu. But then another feature that I was able to do, because you have Mzaligazi's people and then you have Shaga's people, but they're all Zulu, but they're two separate clans. And the moment you start now having massive groups of people who, even though they aren't necessarily directly related, treat each other like family, you can now start having political intrigue as well. Mm. That level. And it's family. So even though I had a character in one of my games whose personal um, sort of allegiances and values aligned with Shaga mm-hmm. well actually no with Mzilegazi but um, uh, like Shaga was the one making decisions to save the people in, in the immediate and he mm-hmm. had to align himself with Shaga who essentially months before was threatening to wipe out Mzilegazi and his people oh turns into Game of Thrones it starts to get yeah. um it can get really oh. interesting and you can you can conceive a family in really macro ways and micro ways mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, makes the, the War of the Roses reference now uh, is a lot more yeah. relevant because that was pretty much what was happening there. That was a bunch of family members fighting each other in that war. And it's it's tr- like that was what World War One was. I, I can't remember if I've ever said it on the show, but if you look at like the European leaders of World War One, especially like Tsar Nicholas, I think I think it was King George at the time. And I can't remember who else. There's another one of the leaders. Might have been. I don't think it was the Kaiser, but it might have been. I can't remember. But they basically look like the same dude <laughs> who ch- slightly changed his mustache grooming and wore a different hat. Yeah. Like they were literally cousins yeah. who used to play with each other, and now they're leading the, uh, their arm. They're having. They're sending their armies. They're not leading. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're sending their armies out to fight in one of the bloodiest and worst wars in history up to that point. Yeah. I mean, it was the bloodiest war in history up to that point. Yeah. Uh, just. A really just a horrible time but it's true like that was a family a squabble family. and i and i think that like in in on the other side of the coin i guess now that you've made that point as well if you're like building like these sort of big political worlds inside yeah. of your games as a dm yeah like it some of this could even have been based on like a childhood uh childhood issues like yeah conflicts it's yeah, you're you're essentially like they're 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 following up on drama from when they were children. Like yeah. you did this to me when I was a kid. You bullied me and I never got over it and this is my chance to stick it back to you. And maybe that's not their only motivation, but yeah. it's in there. But it's, it's in, in there. Like there. I mean like it's a classic like Zuko and Azula like you know battle. Yeah. Like like sibling that's rivalry. The sibling rivalry. Yeah. Like get you know you can you can throw that stuff in there and make it really spicy because the, and now your scenes are better for it. Now mm-hmm. it's not just long decrees. Now it's actual things that people can play and have fun with. Yeah, not just the and king. manipulate. Yeah, if you find out if yeah. you find out about people's histories, like what they were like as kids, from oh, some of like their you yeah. you find some of their like nannies, yeah. maids, tutors 
uh, if you find some of those people, even like say there was a a, pre, a, pre, um, a noble who's no longer, you know, they're largely retired at this point, a council member, yeah. but like who knows what yeah. that person was like Teacher as a child. Something. Yeah, yeah. You can now manipulate, goad, mock, humiliate a freaking leader. Yeah. Or wrap them around your finger if you wanted to with the right information. Now it's getting spicy. Yeah, we sprinkled in that <laughs> spice. I mean, it was always getting spicy. Sprinkled in that spice in there. Sweetness and spice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then I will give another example of family yeah. drama, which is uh, – it was based around religion. But really what it's about is – because I think people mm-hmm. will uh, attribute a lot of things to religion somewhat rightly, but those things exist in other belief systems as well. Really what it is is certain belief systems uh, can uh, – mm. Well, belief systems in general often will have – will invite people to become such staunch adherents of them that they equate them with being morally right. In some cases, correctly. In other cases, well, it's questionable. Uh, At least it can – such a position can lack nuance. But essentially, you can equate – your political position, your philosophical position, your religious position so strongly with your identity yeah. as a family that if one or even in some cases sports fandom, I know in some parts of the US, you will have like families who are raised to be fans of one team. And if you stop being a fan of that team, it's not just like, oh, we were fans of different teams. It's actually like deleterious to your family relationship. Yeah. It's damaging. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Um, You're dead to each other. Yeah. Like it could <laughs> really be a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what happens when a, a PC has broken with that tradition? So uh, in the in that same game that I uh, that I was DMing, we had a character. Uh, shout out to Lulu. Her character mm-hmm. was originally from the Feywild, and her parents were essentially religious extremists who had ingratiated their way into Titania's summer court uh, in the mm-hmm. among the Seely Fey. And Titania in this version was kind of like. I just like to party and go out and have a good time. And they basically were like, yeah, we'll do a lot of the admin work. We'll, we'll handle all the administrative running the kingdom stuff and, and making sure that people stay in line stuff. And you go off and keep having Midsummer Night's Dreams because I'm pretty sure Midsummer Night's <laughs> Dream was at least somewhat canon in that world. <laughs> yeah. I think it actually yeah. was. Um, yeah. They, so <laughs> they were like running all of these purges. Uh, taking out anybody who basically okay. anyone who looked somewhat monstrous or evil, they were take they were like oh they because you know the the Seely Fey and Unseely Fey mm. in in D and D lore are always at war. Uh, the Seely Fey are like yeah. the pretty fairies, and then the Unseely are the scary, ugly fairies, and. They are constantly at war, especially Titania, the Queen of the Summer Court, and the Queen of Air and Darkness. I think her sister is usually uh, portrayed as – I can't remember. But they're constantly – well, there you go, siblings again. Uh, But they're constantly at war. And they were basically taking over that war and were leading all of these purges, getting rid of anybody who even had the least bit of Mm -hmm. seely – or excuse me, un influence. So even like some of the weirder, uglier fantasy fairy tale creatures or maybe, you know – you got some tr- fairy tale trolls and stuff who are living up in the Seely Fey. Not they're not uh, politically affiliated with the Unseely, but they're declared basically Unseely okay. and are attacked on the basis of their race. So that was their family. Wow, they were just hardcore. If you look evil, we kill you. And okay. Lulu's character broke with that. 
uh, she she broke with that okay. and actually had befriended a tiefling because there there had been there you know there's portals to the between the Feywild and the oh. and the. Uh, the prime material and this family of tieflings had been refugees from a nut from persecution oh. on the prime material and they showed up and Lothriel befriended them. That's the name of the character. Um, Lothriel befriended them uh, mm. and befriended with a daughter, their daughter in particular, and they become great friends. And Lothriel was always sneaking away to play with this girl, but her brothers followed <gasps> her. She had two brothers. One was named uh, Triptoliar and one was named Gyar. Gyar is like the class clown, real fun guy. He and Lothriel are bosom buddies. It's great. They're having a, they're loving each other. But Triptoliar, he was kind of an annoying suck up and a little bit of a weasel and a snitch. And she, she really did not like Triptoliar. And Triptoliar followed her one day to this meeting, caught her, tried to attack her tiefling friend, and Lothriel fought back and actually killed Triptolior. And <gasps> and not to make matters worse, Gyar saw this because he'd, he'd followed Triptolior and was like, oh no, and is now heartbroken seeing his sister having murdered their brother. Well, stitches get stitches, yo. But <gasps> well, yeah, Unfor- yeah, unfortunately, stitches are not going to solve this. <laughs> and she now is forced to flee because she's like, oh, no, I can't stay here. I have I'm not only caught betraying all of our values by spending time with this person that my family believes to be unclean, but I also murdered a part of my family to protect them. I have fully turned on mm, them. Yeah. And Gaiar is like, oh, and she's like, oh. And her friend Callista is like, you got to get out of here. Just run, run. So she used the same portal that Callista's family family used, runs through this waterfall and ends up in the flees into the prime material plane. She doesn't know what became of Callista. She doesn't know what is happening with her family. But she's been on the prime material ever since, trying to make a life for herself there, Mm. missing her family. Like she – I think she'd cast off her family. But then – Partway through the game, mm-hmm. uh, she basically made a deal with their goddess in order to resurrect one of the other characters, mm-hmm. like the goddess that their family serves, mm-hmm. which kind of pinged her back on the family's radar. Like they hadn't known where she was, but that Ooh. bing, like the, now, now the goddess like knows where she is and they're in contact with the goddess and they're like, oh. And so they begin, uh, they like lay a curse on her and Gaiar at this point is much older. Mm-hmm. So – Time runs differently in the Feywild okay. than it does in the Prime Material. It's been much longer yeah. there. Gyar is like a beast, oh. and he's a full-on paladin now. Who had, with all these powerful magic, yeah, and mad, yeah, yeah. 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 okay, with all these powerful <laughs> magical items. And not only that, not only does he have all this unresolved trauma, but his parents have been feeding into it oh, as well. Oh no! So, so he's like, he's basically vowed to go and kill his sister, oh, and God. so the 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 arc comes to a head, and it's this gigantic battle against this like crazy legendary bat monster that has like draconic powers and mm. stuff and they're fighting that guy and in the middle of that a portal appears Gaiar comes popping out uh, and is like sister I have come to oh! and just he's like this giant bat thing he's like what is going on here <laughs> and they're like uh, help us fight this thing and so Gaiar basically does most of the heavy lifting to kill the creature yeah. and then proceeds to to tr- attempt to kidnap 
his oh. sister. And it becomes like this whole drama of them trying to, trying to be like, oh no, we gotta save Lothriel now. And he's like grappled Lothriel. He's opened a portal. Uh, and at the last moment, yeah. the Jal, who had actually been, I think I've told this part of the story before, his his mind had been eaten, his brain had been eaten mm-hmm. by a an intellect devourer. Yeah. So the intellect devourer was like posing as Jal and saw how powerful Gyar was and thought, hmm, that's a better option. And managed Gyar failed the saving throw, got his brain eaten. Oh gosh. Uh and the, meanwhile the party like while he's unconscious on the ground, the party steals a bunch of his stuff, but then he kind of pops back up, intellect devourer in his mind and runs through the portal, and the portal closes behind him and they're like, <gasps> "Oh no." Oh, no. So now her she saw her brother for the first time in how yeah. many years? And she felt that same con- and this was all the players saying this, but she felt that same yeah. connection, that sibling connection. Yeah. It was like, oh no, this is somebody that I used to love. Like this is a, a loved one. This I was yeah. so close. I lost something here. And now, now we now he hates me and, <laughs> and now really he might even be say. dead. Like he he got his brain eaten trying to save me. I can't <laughs> let that guy be be loose in the Feywild. That's not safe. Mm. That thing is like, you can't have an intellect devourer running around in the summer court. It's, this is not good. And Gaiar is extremely powerful. And exactly. also, we don't know where the Mind Flayers are. What yeah. if he's trying to contact the Mind Flayers and there be, you have an end, a whole Mind Flayer invasion of the Feywild? It, so it, there was like this – even though mm-hmm. she was terrified that her family might – like she knew that there's a good chance that if her family saw mm-hmm. her on site, they would probably try and kill her. Or at the very least, capture her and then, yeah. you know, publicly make an example of her and kill her. Yeah. She had hardly any hope of of saving mm. those relationships. She still felt such a strong sense of responsibility that she eventually led the party in, a, in an expedition into yeah. the Feywild to try and find Gaiar, stop the mm-hmm. intellect devourer, and save mm. her family, save at least Gaiar if she could. Uh, and there was also like the implication, I think she had a vision actually from the goddess because the goddess was like, look, I'm actually not a fan of the way that they interpret my tenets. Like they're going way far with this. (laughs) I don't, I do not endorse these decisions they're making, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's like I, because uh, it was Vandria Gilmadrith and the way I had it was because she's the elven god of conflict and war, she Mm -hmm. would be present. Like she's bound to be present no matter what. I think her symbol is even like a weeping I that because mm. she doesn't like having to be involved in all this conflict all the time. Mm-hmm. And this is like a real D&D goddess. So I was yeah. thinking that like she basically was forced into lending them her power because they were elves and mm. she she is there for elven conflicts, but mm. she was actively trying to get Lothriel to come and stop them from misusing her power and from mis and from misrepresenting her so mm. so strongly. But th- yeah. that becomes in that case, uh, that would be an el- an element of family as the villains, but also as it's kind of like the Darth Vader thing with uh, yeah. Luke Skywalker wanting to defeat his dad, but really wanting to redeem his dad. Yeah, no, for sure. The things that like, it's it's one of those things when it just comes to storytelling and narrative, simplify. How do you get people emotionally involved? You give them freaking relationships. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you just watch objectives unfold. Like yeah. now we're now you're collaborating. Yeah, like, which is the best part of, of DMing, I think, is watching them do stuff that you never anticipated. And now you're like, ooh, the whole world has changed as a result of what you just did. 
uh, and they're being surprised by how the world reacts to them, and you're being surprised by how they react to the world, and everybody's just surprising everybody. Right. Exactly, and also that doesn't necessarily mean that like all the stuff you've planned, like the places you wanted them to go, they all die. No, in your mind, you can still go. Okay, cool. If they had gotten there in time and did X, Y, and Z, they would have managed to stop this from happening. But now because they're not there, they're elsewhere. This is now what's happening here. They're exactly. going to come back, and a whole bunch of other shit's yeah, going to be wrong. I strongly agree. So, like, consequences, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't feel like, because I, I know that that might feel to others sort of DMs like, oh, but, like, they've killed my darlings. Like, no, all they've done is they've, like, made you a little fun surprise for yourself when they finally get to it. Like, yeah, sure, go chase your brother down. But when you yeah. come back to the main arc, yeah. you're going to find that there's a problem. <laughs> a and that's what problem. happened. Or that's what, <laughs> what may have happened. We, yeah. we never actually found out. Yeah. But... The drama with Jal and his tribe and his mom was yeah. happening at the exact same time that the party was leaving that plane for the Feywild. Mm. Mm. So Jal is leaving his his newly formed tribe mm. knowing that his old tribe is going to try and annex them yeah. and hoping that he can make it back from the Feywild in time to stop this. Uh, so he's yeah. going to, to do this because he feels a sense of duty to help his fam his his found family and his close yeah. friends. But yeah. he's like, I need to come back as soon as I can because the possibility exists that he comes back a hundred years later or even yeah. fifty years later and yeah. finds everything having been transformed completely. Like the whole kingdom has been upended, and in yeah. the middle of that, the character who had been orphaned. I've mm. told the story of how, um, and I. Uh, I've told the story, actually. I don't think I've told it, it with this completeness of the arc. But that character ended up um, adopting, becoming this – so the character who was essentially adopted by her surrogate father who then died, mm -hmm. she then became the surrogate mother to hundreds of halfling children. They were these ghost-wise halfling children who had been raised – to, uh, again, to be religious extremists and hate mm. all other halflings uh, for things that had happened in the past. And they were all – they all served the mm -hmm. god, uh, the beast lord, Malar, or Malar, depending on how you pronounce it. And they were all lycanthropes. Like there, oh. So you have like uh, all these little lycanthrope children <laughs> that, were, that were going to be exterminated <gasps> by the, the monarch that the party set in place <gasps> because – Speaking of family squabbles, she actually, her mom was part of that group and had infiltrated the kingdom to try and bring it down. She, they, uh, there were two, uh, she, mm -hmm. the, the mom had two kids, her and a brother. The mm. brother got the lycanthropic powers and therefore was the mom's favorite. The daughter never did. She, she actually favored her dad. So mm. she was more of the dad's favorite and, and the daughter was older. So she was in line for the throne and the brother ended up framing her for their mm. father's murder to try and get her out of the way so that he could then like bring down this, this halfling kingdom because mm. he's affiliated with the ghostwise halflings. And he mm. wants to like subsume these halflings under those halflings. And so the party had to go find where uh, the the rightful monarch, her name was uh, Lady Mountlove, where mm -hmm. uh, Lady Mountlove had gone to. They've tracked Lady Mountlove down, brought her back, uh, defeated her brother, placed her on the throne. But now they have to lead an army against this other neighboring secret nation, essentially, of halflings who've been trying to kill them. And at, they win the battle, but there's all these prisoners now. And you look – if you are a halfling queen whose claim to the throne is already tenuous because you had just been a fugitive until a couple days ago, uh, accused of murdering your father, the previous king, you mm. showed back up, killed your brother – 
the, the king that had replaced mm-hmm. you and are now claiming that you actually are yeah, – you have uncovered a nationwide yeah. conspiracy uh, of a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, halflings, halfling lycanthropes who are trying to bring down the, the kingdom. That's a tenuous claim. Like, you, it takes time to prove something mm-hmm. like that in the hearts and minds of the people. And you have to demonstrate that you're a good ruler. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at this and she's like, not only do I have all of this hanging over my head, but mm-hmm. these people – if I let them live, are probably <laughs> yeah. not going to change their views anytime soon. How do you manage that? But how do I keep them in prison? They could they could yeah. transform into animals. Yeah. If I put them in cells, some of these people could transform that's into crazy. insects. Like that's like how do I how do I my mom, she found out her mom could turn into a snake. Mm. How and like a small snake at that. How do you yeah. imprison this like that's yeah. that's that doesn't work. Yeah, so it's only a matter of time before some of them escape, and and then I have all these children as well. We can't have them around. We have to wipe them out. And so the party's like, well, yeah, but that's like a that's like a genocide thing, and, and I'm not comfortable with this. And so yeah, that character was like, look, these are actual children. These are these are children. I'm going to save these children. That's I'm going to save as many of them as I can. And so she ended up saving like 300 kids and brought them back to this uh, this druid commune where they were basically in hiding and she had become their surrogate mom. Uh, and it was really, really cute. But they, they were all growing up as well. And now their new surrogate mom has to go off to another plane of existence to try and clean up a mess that her party had created a long time ago, going off to the Feywild. So you have all of these elements in play and really what we're saying is because family members uh, I think it's I think it's fair Mm. to say and I think I think it's important to say a found family is every bit as legitimate in some cases more legitimate than blood relations in my opinion and the actually it's an important Mm. point to make Uh, the saying blood is thicker than water is actually a mis uh, misrepresentation of the original quote which is thought to be the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the Mm. womb meaning the the bonds that you choose to form in life Mm. are stronger than those that exist purely because you happen to be related to somebody uh, and people usually interpret it the reverse to say yeah. that blood relation is thicker yeah. than, I guess, pouring water Worse, to drink yeah, with people. I don't really know. I don't know what that's supposed to be. But anyway, the point is, know. if you if you introduce characters into your world <laughs> that the players and players, you can work mm. and create stuff like this in your backstory for your DM to use. Now, obviously, it's not under your control if the DM uses it or not. Like you can ask to visit your family and ask to talk to them and so forth. But the it, the point is to give your players important mm. in NPC connections so that they can care about not just the world as a whole, but specific people. When yeah. you say, like, sure, a person's affiliation may be very, very strongly with their nation in real life that they're from, but it's more likely to be strongly with the people that they love from that nation. Yeah. Like, there yeah. are a few people that love their nation more than they love their loved, loved ones. ones. And, and, and again, like, I will, I will keep hammering this home. The story will literally write itself. You have yeah. now given your, because once you give your players relationship and people that they care about, you give them objective. Yeah, 100%. Listen to her wisdom. 
She speaks truth. <laughs> as old school, what would this be? This would be Stanislavski? We've known this for over a hundred years now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and really, I think it's worth underlining, because we kind of said it, but we didn't fully say it. I think so many campaigns are just about going out, fighting, getting stuff. Having those moments of levity and happiness and warmth where the the PCs actually get to enjoy the stuff that they took and work on building stuff of their own uh, and spend time with NPCs that they love, that makes all of those other moments hit harder. Yeah. So much harder. Because you care. Yeah. Because you care. When that village gets burnt down, it's not just a bunch of nameless people. Exactly. It's real people. Exactly. Wow, that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to just burn a village of nameless people. No. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, but I did want to, um, I was go- I was thinking about, here's the question. I will, I will lay it out mm-hmm. before you, Nati. This okay. is two choices. Yeah. Would you rather discuss mm-hmm. the, the idea of mixing different D&D races in terms of like, mm-hmm. Actual people getting married and having kids together, family. And what I mean is like not like elves and humans. What I mean is like Aarakocra and goblins, Uh where it's like they're so radically different. Would you rather talk about that or would you rather make a comparison uh, with what we've been talking about to some experiences that we have had personally, like positive primarily, I would hope, uh, positive experiences with our own families and the roles that they have played in our lives and have added both sweetness and maybe a touch of spice here and there? A um, little bit of both, because I feel like those two things okay. are really valid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are both certainly valid topics. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want to do first? Let's do the weird chimeras first. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, chimeras. Um, yeah, I am hella down for this, because, like, you know, in a world where mixed race, if you're, if you're going to say that people can 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 interbreed, right? Then they yeah. must interbreed indiscriminately. That's that's, that's my where I to the question. <laughs> yeah, and the, and really, and we've talked about it a lot of times on here. The use of the word race mm. in D anD D is what creates that expectation. Because yeah. when I just said race mixing, yeah, that is a loaded phrase. It's, yeah, it's really what I mean is what I meant is an Aarakocra and a goblin. But when people hear it, they they hear something very different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and. Uh, I would say that if you are going to have some quote-unquote species that are able to interbreed like elves and humans, mm-hmm. it's a fantasy game. Like elves are supposed to be nearly – like they can live for like 500 years in D&D or yeah. longer. What's the gestation and period on humans, that? Yeah. Like how does that even – how does their anatomy even work? <laughs> like how do, how do we not have way too many elves? Most people will say it's because elves don't breed very often. So elves are – what what is like what is how many chromosomes do elves have <laughs> and like how are they because it's fantasy right yeah. it's all made up in in magic yeah. so if you were saying it's all made up in magic then honestly i would say if you want to you can have anything get together exactly and like i think it just like depending on the tone of your world or whatever you're trying to do it just adds to it and like you know i think whenever i play whenever i play with my any of my players or especially when i play with my kids like they always love the most weird, bizarre character that you could possibly make up. Right now, we have mm-hmm. were dolphins in one of our games, <laughs> and there's a were carp. Um, yes. And now our detective 
who is oh lord what is our detective i think he's like a he's, he's a barbarian fearball is gonna it was bitten by a werecarp so now oh, no. who knows what that's gonna freaking come out looking like start growing scales <laughs> so like do what you want to do and they have a great time doing it because it's a, it's a fantasy world and it's loads of fun and they decided to create these characters so i think it's fine also it's D do what you want and if someone tells you otherwise i don't know throw a shoe at them yeah, <laughs> just it, does. Should it be your shoe, or should it be a shoe that you find? A shoe that you find, a random shoe. <laughs> yeah, search for a shoe, the nearest shoe that isn't yours yeah. that you can find, and th- and throw it at them. <laughs> should the shoe? Is it okay if the shoe is originally on somebody's foot? And if so, how do you go about removing it from their foot before throwing it? I mean, I feel like if you like explained to someone really nicely, they might be open to lending you their shoe. But maybe just find uh, like a, sh- yeah. a loose shoe. A, a rogue shoe, um, you know. Mm. Um, I feel like rogue shoes would be too light. They would be. Too I think light. you want like a. I think you want some like a paladin sturdy, shoe, sturdy like a solid boot or a clog. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. It can add to. It obviously depends on the tone of your game, but honestly, it adds a really interesting element. Uh, we've talked on here before about um, – oh, what's his name? The doctor that you guys encountered who was the combination of the Lokatha and the rabbit folk uh, who immediately became one of the most memorable uh, – I feel like one of the most memorable characters from this campaign so far. Uh, I th- Yeah, we wouldn't have had Wonderful him Wonderful and that. horrifying. He was <laughs> yeah. truly horrifying. I mean, yeah, we would – yeah, and I think that came about because of your little, um, because of your, I will say, like species chart that you've created, yes. Jeremy. Because you completely, because you randomize it, and I think, I like, um, I want to just go back on a word that I used that I think was kind of unfair. They're not chimera. They're not just like weird, bizarre like creatures. I think, I think, in that spirit of potentially randomizing it, it can take some of the ickiness out of it if you're feeling ickiness about yeah. it. Yeah, um, just completely randomize it, and it also means that the DM gets surprised. Like, everybody gets surprised. Surprised. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that it was uh, very, uh, very entertaining, yes, to to have something like that. And actually, the reason that that happened is because there is a spot on there where it basically just says roll again twice. And you're going to get – you now have to pick two things. Uh, that this person is. And I think we've had as many as three things because somebody rolled it twice in a row, I think. Uh, and so they ended up with like, no, they rolled it once and then rolled one other race and then rolled it again. So they were half this, a quarter, something else and a quarter, something else. Um, but like, I, I, yeah, I think it is fair. Like it, look, it's fine. It's a silly fantasy game. Uh, I get if you don't want it to be on your table, but it does. I, I feel like it does get kind of weird when we like, because what's the line between like because people will be like, oh, the more monstrous, quote unquote, races, basically the things that look progress increasingly less human. I don't know. To me, it's just like free game. And shout out to our resident bard, Jonathan Charles. We've mentioned him again on the show or before on the show many, many times. We've had him on the show, but we've mentioned this character, his character Jinx, who is a half dragonborn, half elf. Uh, that was like the first, I think, combination like that that I ever encountered. And I thought it was really cool. Uh, but the last the last bit, I think for a little bit of wholesomeness, uh, we could talk a little bit about how our families have figured into our backstories in various sweet and maybe occasionally dispersive ways. Yeah, I don't know. I think 
I think all of the women in my family have always inspired me. My gran, when she was younger, got a got an opportunity to work. Um, she was a seamstress and sewed a lot, and she got an opportunity to work at Coco Chanel in Paris, but didn't take it because my dad, my, my granddad at the time, was like, "If you go, I won't wait." Um, so I always like do all of the things that I do in my life for her to make sure that like her lineage like is always out there pushing things. So I think hmm. I think family can have an effect on you mm-hmm. um, in that like. Her, like you're trying her, to live up to you're trying to live out the opportunities that she never actually had or that she yeah, never yeah. took advantage of. Yeah, because of not uh, not just because of like the patriarchy, but also apartheid. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like like all manner of <laughs> all manner of obstacle. Yes. Um like it's that thing of like, you know, where 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 the dream where the ones our ancestors dreamed of. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. That sentiment, like, you know, Especially coming from a country and coming from a background where there's been a lot of subjugation in the past. I think there's something quite nice about knowing that any time that you achieve something or any time that, I mean, just going into a mixed race bathroom. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just just going to the beach with yeah. like everybody is is enough. But like, I think that what's quite nice for me, especially with the women in my family is that I always remember that. I am out there trying to fight and achieve to make sure that they're they're remembered as well and their contribution is remembered in my genes and my blood. Mm. So yeah. does that make you then want to have kids specifically so that oh, you can pass? No. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you're basically just trying to have achievements so that then yeah. people, if they look into your lineage, recognize that you happen to be descended from those people? Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm done. <laughs> it, not, it, it, ends <laughs> yeah, it. it ends here. Yeah, not here. It ends here. The commitment really has a hard line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want you. I want people to remember them, but I want them. I want you to. Re- I want people to remember you specifically through me. No one yeah, after me. me. I am yeah, not yeah. making any more. <laughs> We're done. Done. There are no leftovers. Yeah. The soup has been utterly ladled out. There is no, I drank the last little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yep, it ends here. It ends here. Um, But I think, yeah, I think that's how my sort of family has kind of affected me. Um, Uh, Well, yeah, I've had a very good relationship with my parents, uh, both of my parents throughout my life, and it has had an absolutely gigantic influence on me uh, in ways that I didn't even realize. Uh, it, it has shaped the way that I approach uh, conflicts, for example, and conflict resolution. It has approached the way that I approach most – excuse me. It has shaped the way that I approach relationships. It has shaped even uh, how I speak in some ways. I didn't know this until people kept – saying that I spoke very strangely when I was in drama school, mm-hmm. but I got a recording. I noticed that my speech patterns are very similar to my dad's speech patterns mm. and in that it often sounds like I thought of what I was saying before I decided to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like planned how to, planned where to put all the emphasis, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounded very unnatural to a lot of the people that I was at drama school with. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, to me, it was just how I spoke. Yeah. But then I realized I got a recording of my dad. I got it. I had him record himself telling me a story. Mm-hmm. And so then I sh- played that for people and they were like, oh, that's where it's from. Yeah. But <laughs> the, 
even beyond stuff like that, I my parents have given me all sorts of very helpful life advice. Uh, I still have uh, I spent like the last nine months with them mm. because like I, I when the second lockdown or not well, yeah when the second lockdown happened in the UK, mm. there ended up being like three. Point five, and yeah. I, when the second one happened, I was like, "Nah, baba nah," and I split to the U.S. and was in the U.S. living with my parents for like nine months. Yeah, and that, yeah, the the effect on my life, I would say, is darn near immeasurable. Yeah. Um, I I don't have the same sense of duty to try and make pe- cause people to remember them, mm-hmm. but uh, I definitely feel a very very strong emotional connection to them and will open credit them with a lot of the very positive like a lot of uh, qualities that people like about me are qualities that were instilled in me by my parents Mm. so a big shout out to the the parents cob out there uh, thank you very much and the family uh, the family would Nyao would it be Louis Nyao Nyao. would it be Nyao Nyao okay Okay. where's the Louis come in Um, my ex-husband Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, just can't change All right, it. I'm with you now. <laughs> really? Legally can't like, change Like legally yeah. or? Oh, dang. Like I have to like change my name back. Whoa. Or get remarried. <laughs> Whoa. Well, okay. Yeah. So, wow. Yep. I did not know that. That's really interesting. <laughs> Speaking of the influence family yep. can have on your lives. Uh, so, it found family <laughs> just as legitimate, I guess. Even yep. from yep. a governmental yep. standpoint. <laughs> They will yeah. not let you drop the name. Uh, on that note. <laughs> a little bit of spice. I guess that's what well, we yep. said. A little bit of spice. Uh, we got the sweetness. We got that spice in. Uh, <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Uh, this was a lot of fun talking about this, uh, talking about these topics. Hopefully this was a little yeah. heartwarming for you. It was entertaining for you. You got to hear some cool stories and uh, yeah. you got to some good ideas for your own future games or characters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, uh, I guess there's nothing left to say at this point, but so, so long, long Shia folk. Hello, halflings. We have some patrons to shout out. Thank you so much, patrons. We're going to shout out these new patrons of ours, these people who have been so kind to essentially sponsor this show. Uh, Give us the muns uh, so that we can keep giving you the buns. Uh, What buns means in this context, I'll let you decide. I have no idea. And we will start with Austin Steiner. Thank you, Austin Steiner. Thank you, Austin. You are the best. And Susan Rolf. I hope I said that right. I think it's probably correct. Susan Rolf. Thanks, Susan. And of course, who could forget Robert? Just Robert. Thanks, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Just Robert. We love you, Robert. Yes. Um, And also, Brian Farina. Yeah, Brian Farina. Or or Farina. Farina. Thank you. I don't know who that is. Uh, Mandy Walla. Woo-hoo, or Walla could even be Walla, oh, yeah, because exactly. it's W, it's W A, like the cap, capital W, lowercase A, capital L, lowercase A. It's almost like Washington yeah. and Louisiana. Mandy Washington, yeah. Louisiana. Mandy Walla, Mandy Walla. I'm not sure, but it's great anyway. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, um, Michelle Spurgeon. Yeah, Spurgeon. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Erica Bianca. I hope I said that correctly. Bianca. Thank you. 
Um, yes. Then we have Mallory Boone. Woohoo! Yeah, descendant thank of Daniel. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Mallory. Uh, Sierra Beal. Thank you, Sierra. Thank you, Sierra. I'm guessing it's Beal. It might be Biel. Might, but uh, probably Beal. It looks like Beal. I'm guessing. I mean, yeah. it's same, spelled the same as Jessica Beal's yeah, last yeah, name, yeah, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, then we have Athena Hughes. Woohoo! Whoa, what a combo of names. I know, right? Like, Hughes is like a really straightforward normal name, and then you have yeah. Athena, Athena. A goddess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Athena Hughes. Thank you. Then, Elias Esgdale. 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 You are a brave man than I don't know. Is the G Elias silent? Esgdale. Is it Esdale? Might is it be Esgdale. Esgdale? Because it's E-S-G. Esgdale? Esgdale. Yeah. yeah. Esgdale. Could be Esgdale. Help us out, Elias. Esgdale. Esgdale. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering Pop's if it's like life. Versailles, but Versailles has an S at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, let us know. Thank let you. us know, Elias. Kenji Shoemaker. Yeah. Woohoo! Yay! Oh, Kenji. Thank you for Kenji Shoemaker. Yeah. And the Sandrian. Oh, yes. Or Sandrian. The, well, yeah. We the love Sandrian. 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 Yeah. There's a number of ways to say that word, but yeah. no, matter, no matter how we say it, they are the one well, of those. Exactly. They are. They are the best, and we thank them. Um, and Sam LeCain. Yes. Thank you, Sam LeCain. And finally, last but certainly not least, Ethan Frank. Thank you Thank so you, much. Ethan. Thank you. Thank you. And thank all of you patrons, n- both new and old. We Yes, we appreciate every single one of you. We are actually closing in on a very important milestone. Uh, we are, I think we're getting trying to get to, uh, I believe, 250 patrons in total, I believe. And we're currently, yes, we're only 20 patrons away. And Woo! once we hit 250 patrons, I believe that's the merch. That's the merch level. Let me make sure of that, but basically something cool is going to happen, and I think it's merch. I think it's merch. I think, I it think it's merch. merch. Yeah. But we're only 20 people away. Come yeah. on, folks. Come on. Get us to that hump as quickly as possible. Get us to the, that hump by next month. Whatever yeah, month this comes in, get us there by next, next month. month. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we're already there, but it doesn't matter. We're, yeah, we're done. We've, this has gone on long enough. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> thank you all. Thank you. Uh, pit Pit patrons. Pit Pit patrons. That was a HeadGum Podcast.